Coming up on today's message with Pastor Johnny. Psalm 52, uh, scholars believe, is talking about somebody that is no good, that is a down and dirty person, someone who is a conniving politician that has lied their way to the top. The, Psalm 52 is talking about somebody who loves evil more than good. Someone that had a lying tongue and a politician that, that, that loved and trusted in riches and wealth more than they trusted God. What kind of person is that? Amen. Let's get into the word. Amen. Uh, today's message is going to come from Psalm 52, the 52nd Psalm. I'm going to be reading the whole Psalm. It's nine verses. I'm going to be reading all nine verses for you from the New International Version of God's word. Uh, let's see what it has to say for us today. Amen. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Why do you boast of evil, you mighty hero? Why do you boast all day long, you who are a disgrace in the eyes of God, you who practice deceit? Your tongue plots destruction. It is like a sharpened razor. You love evil rather than good, falsehood rather than speaking the truth. You love every harmful word, you deceitful tongue. Surely God will bring you down to everlasting ruin. He will snatch you up and pluck you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. The righteous will see and fear. They will laugh at you saying, here now is the man who did not make God his stronghold, but trusted in his great wealth and grew strong by destroying others. But I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. For what you have done, I will always praise you in the presence of your faithful people, and I will hope in your name, for your name is good. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Pray with me, please. Oh, Lord, our God, we thank you for this opportunity to gather once again in your name. Uh, your word says, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Your word says that where two or more are gathered in your name, you'll be in their midst and bless them. So we have gathered today in your word. Lord God, here I am, your humble servant behind your sacred desk uh, with the task of proclaiming the good news, the gospel. I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight and that I can lead people to know you better and know Jesus in the pardoning of their sins. It is in your son's precious, perfect, powerful, matchless name, Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. For the time that we get to spend together, I 
would like to talk a little bit about words, just words, just words. Something I've been working on is watching what I say and resisting the urge to speak right away. There are meetings I'm in where I purposely let multiple people speak before I provide my input. Uh, there are situations where uh, people ask me for advice and instead of just giving them direct advice, I ask questions. The reason is I'm working on controlling my speech and being more measured with my words. I want to get the most bang for my buck when I speak. And to do that, I realize I have to spend a little more time thinking about what I want to say and how I want to say it. And so I spend time reading books on psychology and counseling and business leadership and business coaching, and they all say the same thing. Less is more. You don't tell people what to do if you're coaching someone in business or providing counseling. You ask questions and let them work it out themselves. You don't tell them everything. Because the tongue is powerful and we should care how we use this particular organ. It's amazing what one of the smallest organs in our body can do. Just think about it. It's, it's more flexible than any other part of the body. It can enlarge, it can contract, it can twist itself into any number of shapes. The tongue is also essential to the digestive system. When we eat, it, it turns food around in our mouths and, and, and then we swallow. And when we swallow, it pushes the food down our throat to the stomach. Uh, the tongue is also where our taste buds live. And it tells us whether food is sweet, sour, salty, or bitter. Uh, the tongue is also an early warning system. It helps us to avoid harmful foods and lead us towards food that foster health. Um, the tongue resembles a muscle in many ways because it's mainly composed of muscle tissue, but it doesn't function like any other muscle in the body. It's not anchored by bones or anchored to bones by ligaments uh, or muscles that move the skeletal system. The tongue moves freely on its own. And the tongue has another completely different task besides just uh, aiding in our digestion. It's our principal organ of speech. The tongue is very important, and, and we can all be better about controlling our tongues or controlling our speech. I know I'm not the only one that has had something happen and later thought, I wish I had not said that. Or maybe, I wish I would have said this. 
we are all at some level thinking or rethinking what we let come out of our mouths at a particular time. And we also think about that with other people. We can all think of somebody that we feel does not talk enough. Or maybe someone who talks too much. Uh, there was a woman that was known as a harsh critic of other people, and once she told John Wesley, Mr. Wesley, my talent is to speak my mind. Madam, Wesley replied, God wouldn't care a bit if you buried that talent. Words are the common coin of our social relationships, and sometimes we belittle them. Uh, we, we say that damaging political speech is only rhetoric. Or we complain about trivial small talk conversations, not realizing uh, how subtly they function as the glue in many relationships. Yet, words can be compelling. Uh, just think about what it means to hear somebody say, I love you. Or to hear that same person say, I never want to see you again. Words can be airy and insubstantial as dust floating around in the sun, or they can be deadly daggers running us through the heart. Words are powerful, even if they're just words. Psalm 52 is one of those psalms that is powerful words. Uh, the psalmist is angry. And he is letting the anger out. And some people believe that the, the, the target of the rage is anonymous. And some people figure out who it is or think they have figured out who it is. But it, it, it's not hard to discern that this enemy, uh, this mighty one, is powerful. The adversary is treacherous in spirit and relentless in battling the people of faith. It's a villain who delights in plotting destruction, a villain who loves evil, and the psalmist has had enough. You know, sometimes we need to verbalize our gripes and issues. And Psalm 52, uh, scholars believe, is talking about somebody that is no good, that is a down and dirty person, someone who is a conniving politician that has lied their way to the top. The, Psalm 52 is talking about somebody who loves evil more than good, someone that had a lying tongue and a politician that, that, that loved and trusted in riches and wealth more than they trusted God. What kind of person is that? To understand Psalm 52, you have to go back to 1 Samuel's chapters 21 and 22. Uh, David was on the run from his life, 
hiding from Saul. And while David was hiding, there was a conniving politician by the name of Doeg. And Doeg snitched on David. David was hiding and Doeg snitched on David. And so scholars, some scholars believe that David is talking about Doeg when he writes this psalm mentioning all those bad things. David was on the run for his life because Saul tried to kill him on multiple times. Can you imagine going to work and your boss picking up a spear and right after you finished doing your work, the boss took the spear and tried to throw it at you and pin you against the wall? That was what was going on with David. Uh, Saul would try to kill him after he finished playing his harp. And so he ran and he was on the run for his life and he ended up going to a priest named Ahimelech and, and, and uh, Ahimelech helped David and gave David a sword and some food. And, and Saul called in after he moved on, after David moved on, Saul called Ahimelech and got mad that Ahimelech helped David because Doeg snitched and said, I saw David go to Ahimelech's house. And so Saul had his conniving snitch slash politician Doeg eliminate all the priests 85 of them, 85 pastors, prophets, priests got eliminated at the order of King Saul by the hand of Doeg. But not just the priests and the prophets, but the women and children too. Wiped out that town. Be careful of political leaders or leaders in general that want to punish pastors and priests and prophets that don't blindly follow their program. God is not beholden to a political party, and any politician that tells you that is lying. Politicians and political parties will switch sides and platforms at a drop of a dime, so how can they all be the chosen party of God if every now and then they switch sides? But the good news is, is we don't have to get revenge. David does not have to get revenge on Doeg. David says uh, in the text that God looks down, uh, that, 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 that those who practice deceit in your tongue plots destruction. He says later on, surely God will bring you down to everlasting ruin. He will snatch you up and pluck you from your tent. Doesn't say I'm going to snatch you up, even though I'm pretty sure David wanted to snatch him up himself. But he says God is going to snatch him up and pluck him out of the tent. We don't have to get revenge. The psalmist says that God going to break them down and God is going to take them out. It may look like they've won for now, but if we just wait a little bit longer, the righteous will see victory in the end. Won't he fight your battles? Won't he make your enemies your footstool? You can have joy and sorrow and hope for tomorrow when you know that it is not your battle to fight. 
God is going to snatch him down. And so David says in the psalm, the other thing that I like about it is that he's not going to trust in the words of man. The psalmist says he's going to trust in God's steadfast love. We need not to depend on man, but to depend on God and God's love. The reward for the righteous is being grounded in God and connected to the source. See, we can choose to live for ourselves or we can choose to live for God. Uh, The text says that the psalmist is like a green olive tree in the house of God. Thank you, Jesus. I want to be like a green olive tree in the house of God. Why? Because something I've learned about green olive trees. Green olive trees grow almost year round. (laughs) Green olive trees grow almost year round. And not only do they grow almost year round, they grow in all kinds of conditions. It does not matter the conditions. They are able to grow in almost all kinds of conditions. And not only do they grow almost year round and almost in all kinds of conditions, the olive, the green olive trees aren't bothered by pests. So I want to be like a green olive tree, just like David said in the text. I'm like a green olive tree planted in the house of God. I want to be able to be uh, prospering no matter what the situation is. I want to be able to try to produce fruit no matter what's going on and no matter what situation I am. And I most certainly don't want to be bothered or allow these kinds of pests to bother me. Be like a green olive tree planted in the house of God. David is going to trust in the words of God and not just the words of man. David is going to stay connected to the source, which is God, and not let the pest bother him. I I can only think that some of what David lived in Psalm 52 rubbed off on his son in Proverbs 3 from Solomon because the father says in in, in verse 8, but I'm like an olive tree flourishing in the the house of God, I trust in God's unfailing love. Trust in God's unfailing love. I'm pretty sure that when the daddy said, I'm going to trust in God's unfailing love, the son grew up and said, well, I'm going to put a little remix on it. I'm going to trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct my path. You got to stay connected to the source. Trust in that unfailing love. I, I, I like that word in verse 8. You know, some translations say unfailing love. Some translations say loving kindness. Some say steadfast love. And some say mercy. Uh, but the Hebrew word that is used in verse 8 is the Hebrew word has said. We all know hesed. Hesed, even if we don't know the word in Hebrew, we know the word in life. Hesed is a solemn promise. It is a covenant, a devotion, a willingness not only to feel some way about someone, but to make a record about it. Hesed. Hesed is when I take my son to get his hair cut. 
uh, my son is on the spectrum. He has autism spectrum disorder, and it brings all kinds of uh, challenges into our lives. And one of those challenges is getting a haircut. Uh, when I take my son to get a haircut, there's a problem. Sometimes he gets skittish about being around a whole bunch of people. Other times there's something wrong with the clippers that bothers him. And so he'll just all of a sudden start crying. He'll scream. He'll try to kick out his chair. He'll try to grab the clippers. Something about them bothers him. And the, air, and the haircut experience is not the best. It's been like that for as long as he has been alive and getting haircuts. And so when he got a little older and could understand, I would make a promise to him. I would say, son, if you don't scream, kick out the chair, or throw a fit, when we get done with this haircut, I'm going to take you to the toy store. And I'm going to get you some candy or something sweet to eat after we leave the barbershop. I made a promise. And so on the way to the barbershop, Johnny would say to himself all the way, I am the haircut champion. I'm not going to scream. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to grab the clippers. I'm not going to kick out the hair, the chair. And Johnny would say this to himself over and over again until we got to the barber shop. And when he got his hair cut and he didn't scream, try to grab the clippers, cry or kick out the chair, after we both got our haircuts. I would take him to the toy store and I would get him something. And he loved the small planes and the rockets, and I loved them too because they was only two or three dollars. And I could get him a bunch of them over and over again. And then we would go to lunch and he would get what he wanted, usually either an ice cream or a cookie. The promise that I made to my son on the spectrum who does not like people touching his hair was Hesed. I, as a father, went on the record with my commitment to my son because I had Hesed for him. I had unfailing love for him. I had steadfast love for him. And just like I have Hesed for Johnny Simpson III, your heavenly father has Hesed for you. Your heavenly father said that I will never leave you nor forsake you. Your heavenly father said that weeping may endure for a night, but joy shall come in the morning. Your heavenly father said that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will carry you through. Your heavenly father said that he who has begun a good work in you shall perform it until completion, until the day of Christ Jesus. Your heavenly father said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He went on the record with his promise and he's going to come through with his unfailing love. God made a solemn promise on the record and he's going to hold to it. God loves us and God has made a promise to us. God has given us as well tongues that we can use as tools of righteousness. 
Words that fashion using those tongues can serve the cause of justice or injustice, kindness or callousness, words of compassion or exploitation, of love or hate. And in choosing those words, we got to choose wisely. And once we have chosen wisely, we can be thankful. The psalmist says that he will thank God forever, not just for a little bit of time, but forever. Forever is a long time, and that's how long God loves us. Forever is a long time, and that's how long we should praise him. Praise him for his said. Praise him for his unfailing, his steadfast, his love, and his mercy. God loves us, and there is nothing we can do about it other than thank him and, and accept his love. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open, and we invite you to come. Pray with me, please. Oh, Lord, our God, we love you, we honor you, we bless your holy name. We thank you for this opportunity to listen to your word, to learn about your said, your unfailing, your steadfast, your love. Lord God, I ask that your word go forth and bless those who heard it and bless those who will hear it that your Holy Spirit will do his holy work in your holy church for your holy kingdom. And that people who desire to know Christ in the pardoning of their sins will ask, what must I do to become saved? Let this be a seed that is planted in good soil and produces a great harvest, 30, 60, 100 fold. It is in your son's precious, perfect, powerful name, Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. Please be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share. Don't forget to connect with me on social media, Pastor Johnny Simpson Jr. on Facebook, at Pastor J. Simpson Jr. on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks again for watching, and God bless.